Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Chuck Lawless, and I welcome you to another episode of Pastor Matters, the the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Seminary. And I'm really excited to begin this podcast today because we are making a transition. This center has been in existence for a number of years now. and We've had some great leaders who preceded me. Uh, this center was actually my vision when I came here to Southeastern Seminary. Now, as we're recording this a little over 11 years ago, and I wanted to help us encourage pastors. And my role has shifted in a, in a number of ways and Others have have taken the lead in this center, Dr. John Ewart, that we will hear from in a podcast to come, Uh, Dr. Scott Pace, Dr. Jim Shaddix, Ranger Locke, a number of great brothers who've helped get us here. But now this has come full circle, and as of uh, just a little bit ago, just a few months ago, I'm now back in this seat and living out this vision that is so much a part of my heart, and we'll talk more about that. And I thank you for for joining us, listeners, for for this episode. I'm joined also with my assistant, Caleb Iverson, who will be with us with these podcasts, helping us talk to our guests, and he's helping work with our editing and the the processing of this. And so, Caleb, I'm glad you're a part of this team. Dr. Lillis, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I want our... I want our listeners to learn about you because yeah, you'll be pivotal yeah. to this. So tell us, tell us some of your story. Well, I am from Asheville, North Carolina. Um, I've been at Southeastern now. This is my fourth year here. So, um, yeah, from Asheville, grew up in Asheville, um, came to Southeastern in the fall of, of 2019 to study pastoral ministry. Um, I'm newly married, celebrated one year of marriage at the end of July to my best friend and high school sweetheart, Emily. So we actually met on a mission trip through our church, and just uh, God was just super faithful in that. There's a cool story behind that, um, but I don't have to go into that here. But yeah, just we're here. Emily went to NC State, um, so we're rooted in Raleigh. She's she's working in the corporate world, and I'm here studying ministry. So I, I need to hear more about this mission trip where you met your wife-to-be. Okay, okay. So we kind of joke and say this is like a Christian Hallmark story. So I don't know if Miss Pam loves Hallmark or anything like that. My mom... She does. More than I. She does. Okay, okay. Yeah, so we always joke with my mom about Hallmark stories. But so Emily and I went to the same church, but we had a pretty big youth group. And so, you know, typical, I saw her and I was like, man, she's really cute, but too scared to do anything about it, you know? (laughs) And I guess she thought the same thing about me. So we ended up going on a mission trip to Ecuador. Um, we, our church had partnered with Compassion International, and so we were going to, to serve um, in that area. And so the missions pastor, who actually ended up marrying us, was also leading the trip with his wife. Mm. And so it was funny, um, on all of our flights to get to Ecuador, I was scheduled to sit next to Kurt, our missions pastor, and Emily was scheduled to sit next to his wife, Corey. So we're going from Asheville to Atlanta. You know, it's straight up, straight down. And Corey gets really bad motion sickness, and so... She's like, hey, we're about to fly from Atlanta to Quito, Ecuador. Can I switch seats with you, Caleb, mm. so I can sit next to Kurt? I said, yeah, of course. I had no idea that I would <laughs> sit next to Emily. And so that's how we met. We talked for the whole, like, six-hour plane ride, went on a couple dates after the mission trip, and then we celebrated six years together 
in July and one year of marriage. So Okay, that's exciting. Yeah. The Lord's good in bringing us a, a spouse that walks with us. Yes, super thankful. You are earning a degree that is a, is a combination of a BA and an MDiv. It's a yes. unique five-year program called the Timothy Scholars Program here at, at Southeastern. Talk to us about that program. Yeah, so funny story of just God's providence again, how I found out about the program. Uh, came to Southeastern originally to do biblical studies and sat down to uh, Dr. Pace, who's now the provost here, and just sharing my story, a little bit of my calling, and he said, hey, you really need to consider this program. And so Timothy Scholars Program has been a huge blessing, um, an opportunity to get your bachelor's in pastoral ministry and an MDiv in pastoral ministry in five years. So it's, it's a rigorous program. You know, you're, you're doing five classes a semester, studying hard, uh, but it also is really cool because you get a lot of experience in the local church. And that's one of the things I've been really thankful for is local church internships that are part of the program and hoping to actually graduate this semester, Lord willing. So excited to see what's next after that. All right. Well, we're excited to help you get to that, that finish line and see where the Lord leads you. Yes, sir. Lead you next. To be in this program, you have to express some sense of call to, to pastoral ministry. Talk to us about your call. Yeah, so the, God started working on my heart around junior year of high school um, for a calling to pastoral ministry. I originally thought that I was going to do engineering. Uh, so in high mm. school, I was taking engineering classes, uh, but I didn't like math, so I don't know how that was going to work out. <laughs> uh, I guess I just like the creative design part of it. Um, but then I had a student pastor that really, I guess, saw potential in me, started discipling me. And it wasn't anything crazy or complex. It was really simple stuff. You know, he would invite me. We had our Wednesday night youth service, and he would invite me and say, hey, Caleb, I'm working on my sermon. Let's walk through it together. Hey, how do you think this illustration lands? Do you have any feedback? And he just really pulled me under his wings and just showed me ministry. When he was going to run errands, he said, hey, Caleb, you want to run with me to go do errands? And we just had conversations about life, and he really poured into me. And I mentioned a mission trip to Ecuador, um, and then I went on a couple international mission trips, and through those things, God started grabbing my heart, and I started thinking, man, i I feel like the Lord is is leading me to pastoral ministry, and that all culminated actually at a at a summer camp for me. Uh, we had I knew that they did like a sense of a call to ministry there, um, but for me I didn't know I was still wrestling with it. You know I was um, trying to lead in our student ministry as well, um, and then the Lord just grabbed my heart on one of the nights. And you know I'm not saying that it was an emotional experience, but there was just a conviction there that just really gripped me. Um, the pastor was just saying, hey, I feel like the Lord is leading some people here to ministry. Um, is there anybody in the crowd? And I just ran up there. I don't know why I did, but I just ran up there. I was sobbing. I was crying the whole time. And I just couldn't, I was just like, it was just like when I came to Christ, it was a similar experience. I've just felt the Lord drawing me. And so I went and talked to my student pastor and said, hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. Can you help me? And he just looked at me and said, Caleb, I was just waiting for you to say something mm. like this. I had a, I had a feeling that the Lord was leading this way. So so he saw something in you yeah. before you sensed this kind of calling. Yeah, I had no idea. Nobody in my family is involved in ministry, uh, so I'm the first person in my family pursuing pastoral ministry. So it was really through his influence and just practical service through my church. I love the image of a, a pastor investing in you and the Lord grabbing your heart through that, that relationship. Yeah, Because I'm convinced that's what uh, pastoring, shepherding, that's what this is about. We have to we have to be able to name the people we're investing in. Mm. And I say that to pastors all the time. If you can't name for me the others that you are investing in personally, you're probably not discipling the best through your local church. And 
your story is the story of a life change because somebody else gave gave you time and and let you hang out with him. I have a, a buddy in the Northeast. He talks about what he calls target mentoring. And target mentoring looks like this. He calls one of his guys and says, do you want to go to Target with me? Hmm. And okay. <laughs> in the car, going back and forth to Target, they can have some significant conversations. And just those few minutes of a pastor with, with a church member who wants to walk with the Lord, even a few minutes can make a difference. Now, now let me ask you a question. My, my experience is I've been teaching now for 27 years. Mm. My sense is that more and more your generation and others, there's a, there's a little bit of a reticence to say, I want to be a pastor. Mm. And I think some of that's because they've seen pastors struggle. They've seen internal struggles in churches. They know the, the falls of people in ministry. Everything is so public these days. And so I get, I, I get the, the reticence, but you have, a, you have a very clear sense of calling, it sounds like. What, what most excites you about the possibility of being a, a pastor? Yeah, well, thank you for bringing that up. Um, I've, I'm really passionate about teaching and equipping. I think before even coming to seminary, that was something that I felt like there's just something for me about explaining something to someone so they can understand it for themselves. And so even just in discipling relationships, um, you know, I was with working in our church and uh, serving in the middle school ministry, and to see middle schoolers start to read the Bible for themselves and say, wow, I can actually do this, I can understand this, was something that just really excited me, um, something I was really passionate about. Uh, for pastoral ministry, I really, I mean, from what Christ has done for me, and there's nothing else that I really want to do with the rest of my life. Now, there's also a sense of just weightiness and responsibility mm. that I, I really feel. And I think a lot of um, my peers also feel, you know, they, they look and they see guys that are falling. They see these headlines going on and they wonder and they're, they're like, man, is, is this going to happen to me as well? Mm. And so I think I'm really thankful for my time at seminary just for God's grace. And each year I can see his hand on my life and forming me and shaping me, not just through the classroom, but being here in relationships in my local church. Um, I had a mentor tell me that character is, is like an oak tree, and it takes time for that trunk to grow, grow wide and the roots to grow deep. And so I think for me, I, I'm, I'm excited about pastoring, um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm trying to take a humble look at myself and say, man, does my life really match First Timothy 3? And that's a high commitment that we're called to. And I think more of our generation is starting to see that and, and wonder, man, do I really want to, to make this commitment towards ministry that's really going to put me under the microscope? And, and that's the right question, because we are under a microscope. People are, are watching our lives. I read Hebrews 13, and I recognize as pastors, we will answer to God for the cares of souls that God places under our watch. And mm-hmm. there's, there is, in fact, a weightiness to that, that um, it's just part of the calling. Beyond that, though, tell me what most makes you anxious about pastoral ministry. Hmm. Honestly, I think that ministry, that I would just caught up in, be, in doing ministry, that hmm. I would neglect either my family or my family wouldn't love the church, that they would feel like the church is stolen, you know, that my wife wouldn't feel like the church has stolen her husband, that if we have kids one day, that the church wouldn't feel like it's, it's stolen her father, their father. That's, that's really good. And, and perceptive and helpful as I think about your generation, because I freely admit that my generation has not set a good model there. Many of us 
have poured ourselves into the work mm. and failed to disciple and failed to love the people who are closest to us. And uh, in too many cases, we were better at ministering to other people than we were to our own family. And mm. your generation recognizes that that doesn't make it any easier trying to figure out how you live out that balance. And so knowing that that concern going in is on target, in my estimation, because you can at least be aware of the potential and fight hard against it. Yeah, yeah. And it is so true. Uh, Dr. Lewis, how have, you know, you've been in ministry for a while now, um, <laughs> and I've, I've really just admired, you know, your faithfulness through a long season, um, especially for a guy that's pursuing pastoral ministry, aspiring towards that. I know you started at a super young age. I did. Um, so maybe just tell us a little bit about your story and how you've how that calling has you know sustained you and, and shaped and been informed throughout your years in ministry. Yeah, you know it's interesting because the day I became a believer was the first time I was ever in church in my life. I had a twelve-year-old classmate share the gospel with me. I decided to go to church one time because I wanted to tell him. I went to church, quit bugging me, Hmm. and in that first time in church, the Lord just grabbed my heart and called me to Him. I talked to my pastor. He helped me to to know what it meant to follow Christ as best I could as a—I was a 13-year-old then. And my pastor told me to sit down in the front pew after I had talked with him, and he actually gave me some paperwork, Caleb, to fill out for church membership. I don't recommend this. (laughs) Uh, Maybe we'll do a podcast on this at at some point, but— Basically, he said, if you want to join this church, fill out this paperwork. Nobody talked to me about it. Nobody talked to my parents about it. I didn't know any better because this guy was in charge. I thought I have to sign up. So, so I did. And as I was filling out that paperwork, the, the pastor walked behind the pulpit and he started making announcements. And I, I can't explain what happened. All I can do is tell what I sense happened. I saw him standing behind this this thing. I didn't even know it was called a pulpit then. I didn't know his title as a pastor then. And I just sensed in my mind these words, I want you to preach my word. And those words were so unexpected and so clear that now, almost 50 years later, they have never wavered. Um, when I think about that, And all the times when in pastoral ministry, I pastored for 14 years before I became a seminary professor and have served as an interim pastor a number of times since then. I loved pastoring. I would go back to pastoring tomorrow if the Lord would let me do it. I miss miss the, the daily walking with the same believers. I miss investing in lives over multiple generations. I miss celebrating life with with people uh, in a congregation. I I love that work. But that but that doesn't mean there weren't days when I was ready to quit, mm. uh, when I just didn't want to do it anymore. And what I couldn't get away from was, but I want you to preach my word. Mm-hmm. And that was that was so potent to me because I, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a calling. I didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. Nobody, to my knowledge, was praying for me to be a pastor. I wasn't, it wasn't my mom praying, my grandma praying, and everybody thought I was going to be a pastor. This came out of the blue for me that I would preach the word. And that was my calling. My calling actually was not necessarily to be a pastor. It just was that being a pastor was the platform out of which I could preach the word. And I did start pastoring at at 20 years old. I had no clue what I was doing. (laughs) Uh, Just a little country church in southwestern Ohio. Why they didn't fire me multiple times, I still don't know. 
but I look back and I see a group of people there who love their young preacher. Mm. And they were willing to be patient with me. They were willing to put up with me, to tolerate my silliness sometimes. And when I struggled the most, they would wrap their arms around me and walk with me. And both of the churches I pastored, I had the same experience. Uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who wanted me to be effective in doing God's work, and they wanted to help me glorify the Lord even as they sought to glorify the Lord. And I am where I am today because of laypersons who just love the Lord and loved me. Mm. Uh, and that's, that's what I really want to help pastors experience. I long for you. I long for all of our young students the opportunity to be in churches like, like I pastored so that you can, you can look back and see, wow, those folks loved me. It wasn't easy. It's was tough work, but they really did love me. I want your first pastorate to be one that's, that's a, a positive sense. And I tell churches, if you, if you are working with a young man and you are his first church, in some ways, you will set the pattern for his ministry. Mm. Because if, if his experience with you is positive, he will always know wherever he goes that there is at least one good church out there. Mm. If his experience with you, with that first church, is negative, he will always wonder when the other shoe is going to fall. And so those churches uh, that get to get to help a shepherd start his ministry, they play a pivotal role in it. I long for that for all of our, uh, of our graduates. And I long for pastors listening to this podcast in the, in the weeks to come as you and I work together and we invite guests in to help us think about pastoring. We want to encourage and equip pastors. Mm-hmm. I, I want pastors to come out of hearing this podcast thinking, I can't believe that God lets me do what I, what I do and we want to help think about that practically. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned, Dr. Lawless, I know you have a huge heart for mentoring students. I and, do. And the idea there of walking together, the, that a church would walk alongside their pastor to encourage him and, uh, you know, pick him up when he's struggling, when things are tough. You know, a lot of pastors, there might be pastors listening to this podcast right now that, that feel isolated and they feel lonely. Um, so, Dr. Lawless, would you share just a little bit more about your your heart for mentoring? In both of our stories, we have that that kind of connection of someone took some time to invest in us, care for us, and walk alongside us. So, yeah, I listen to you tell your story, and I, I heard that over and over again. Others who invest in your life. Now, t- for me, to be honest, I don't know that I had anyone who intentionally poured his life into me early on. I I struggled as a young believer trying to figure out how to walk with the Lord, uh, young teenage guy. In a home where there were no other believers, trying to figure out how to how to be faithful, the the battle was real. And back then, Caleb, we didn't talk about accountability. We didn't talk about mentoring. We didn't talk about opening our heart to other people. We didn't talk about being honest with others. We we typically would just bury our wrong, and and not let anybody know about it. That's problematic. So I can't say that I look back and see this person and this person, and this person who just invested in me early on. What I can look back and see is pastors who just love me enough to teach me the word, laypersons who love me enough as their pastor to just help me grow. And my, my heart for mentoring today really came out of a conversation with Robert Coleman 
the the author of the Master Plan of Evangelism, who to this day still invests in people like Jesus invested in his disciples. That's Dr. Mm-hmm. Coleman's heart. He challenged me to develop the same heart. And I I really do believe, and particularly for pastors who are who are hurting today, uh, you're listening to this and you're struggling. Here here's what I would say. Ask the Lord to give you two things. To give you a glimpse of what he's doing in your ministry. Just just a glimpse. Just a little bit of something where you see God working. And just that glimpse is enough to say, okay, God's up to something. My eyes have been on all the other things, not the glimpses. But now I see this glimpse and, and I, want to, I want to be faithful to the Lord. And then I would say, in, in watching for those glimpses, I would say, ask the Lord to give you somebody to invest in. Hmm. Because if you pour your life into one person in your church, and that person is hungry for the Lord and hungry for the Word and wants to fight for, for godliness, you've got that one person, you can put up with a lot of junk from, from other people. And so I want, I want pastors, pastors hear me, ask God to show you a glimpse of His glory. Ask God to give you somebody to invest in. Pour your life into somebody, and you'll find some renewed energy for the work of the, work of the pastorate. Yeah, that's so good. It makes me think of the Gospel of Mark. Um, it's just always stood out to me when he Jesus is calling the twelve, and Mark says, "And first he called them so that they might be with him." Yes. And then they sent him out to preach. And that idea of just withness um, in discipleship, but especially in pastoral ministry, the shepherd that's with the sheep, but specifically those that he is discipling and raising up um, to be other to be young leaders um, in the church is is so beneficial and so helpful. Yeah, I don't know how you lead a people without knowing them. Mm. And the way I frame it is this. I serve not only with Southeastern, but I I work with the International Mission Board, too. So I have the privilege of working with missionaries all around the world. And I think about we're sending missionaries to an unreached people group, to a geographical region, perhaps, where there are a few churches. We send them, and they know part of their task is if they're going to reach those people, they have to get to know them which means they have to be among them. They have to learn their language. They have to learn their history. They have to learn their culture. They have to learn uh, relational connections in their, in their relational systems, uh, their, their religious beliefs, their worldviews. They, they know if I'm going to lead them to Christ and I'm going to disciple them, I have to know who they are. Mm-hmm. And what strikes me, Caleb, is we know that if you have to cross the ocean, but if I go across the city to shepherd a people who look like me and talk my language, we don't often think about how much I need to get to know them too. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we have to. We have to treat our, our congregation as, look, I want to know you like a missionary want to know his people group because the better I know you, the better I can help shepherd you. Mm-hmm. It's hard work. It's, it makes you vulnerable. You, you share the wounds of other people, uh, so the burden becomes heavy. But you know what, Caleb? I, I, can't, I can't think of anyone, and I thought about this for a long time, I can't think of anyone who has the access to our lives like a pastor does. Hmm. I, I think about it in my years as pastor. I was with folks at times when, when they had babies. I was in the waiting room celebrating with them. 
I was certainly with families as they buried their loved ones, and sometimes those loved ones were folks that I, that I had the privilege of shepherding, so from, from birth to death, and then every major event in between, conversion, baptism, calling, celebration of the mountaintops, walking through the valleys with people, birthdays, anniversaries, I could go on and on, graduations where pastors are just invited in. I don't know anybody else who gets that privilege, and mm. that's pretty incredible to me. Yeah. And if we can have that access to people and they invite us into that, that level of their life and we get to help shepherd them to walk with Christ— what a what a gift! Mm-hmm. What a privilege to do that, and that's why I miss that's why I miss pastoring so many so many days of my life. Yeah, and I love that idea of shepherding. Um, just it's such a rich biblical image. You know how much of a sh- how intimately a shepherd knows his sheep. But then even think, pastors. I hope this is an encouragement to you um, that Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. That our God is one that has come to tabernacle with us. That He's. He's experienced and gone through sufferings and hardships so that he is able to help us when we are being tempted and suffering, and that he is the chief shepherd, and that the shepherding is is worth it. Even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, it's a great privilege that we get to have to join as under-shepherds to the chief shepherd. And think of 1 Peter 5 where it says, you know, this is worth it. In the end, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. That's good. I'm, I'm excited for you and the churches that you get to lead in the in the days to come. Let me go one other direction, Caleb. You're helping us with this podcast. You're working with the with the center as well, working with me. What's what's your goal? What what would you like to do in all that we're doing through the through the center? Well yeah, I think the mission of the center, like we said, is to equip and encourage pastors. And so we really want to think through how can we actively do that? How can we be an intentional bridge? between you know, our seminary and, and the church and just share helpful resources, uh, whether that is you know, through the content of the podcast or articles on our website. Um, but also, I really we talked about shepherding and this kind of walking alongside one another. I would love to see our center just be a helpful place for pastors to come and say, hey, I'm struggling. Hey, can you pray for me? Hey, I've got this going on in my church. You know, what do you guys think? And I would love to see us be able to sh- come alongside pastors and encourage them and equip them with any questions they may have, when whether that's through events that we do, a mentorship program that we are starting up, um, all of these things I'm really excited about to see where the center goes. And I'm with you. I, I want pastors to want to hear the podcast. I want pastors to want to read the blogs. I, I want them to see Southeastern Seminary and this center for, for preaching and pastoral leadership as a, as a resource to which they can come for encouragement. Mm-hmm. And so I look forward to working with you. I look forward to uh, our guests coming in the in the weeks to come. And listener, I look forward to praying for you. Let us know how we might pray for you. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode and join us again in the future. And if you found this conversation helpful, would you consider leaving us a five-star rating and review? Uh, we'd also love to hear any feedback that you have. Um, And just remember, as always, it's our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors. And I hope that we've done that with today's conversation. And as always, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord 
your labor is not in vain.